I had, what was it, three or four different jobs until I got into the internship and, you know, just trying the different things out, seeing what I liked, seeing what I didn't like. And I think when I really finally realized like, yes, like I want to work with people. I want to, you know, be in this business world was during the internship with College Works. And kind of after my intern year, I think the moment that I truly did realize it is it was sophomore year. It was towards the end of the first semester. And I just remember I kind of started to panic because I was taking all these science classes. I was in organic chemistry. I was still my biology major. And I just didn't really enjoy what I was learning um, and like what I was doing. And I remember having a pretty difficult conversation with my dad. And we sat there, you know, and we were just talking about like what I wanted to do career wise, because I had no idea. And one thing that he always likes to say, well, you're an extra, you can do anything. Now it's the point of figuring out what it is that you are passionate about. And what do you actually want to do with your life? And I was like, how am I supposed to know this at 19 years old? what I want to do for the rest of my life. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of College Works, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening. And please tell a friend. We've got a great show for you today. We have Leah Ingstrom, who's on and going to discuss how to find your path, trying things, working hard, trusting your gut, challenging yourself to avoid boredom. Going to talk about the power of perseverance. And she's going to talk about how and why to push past excellence. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Leah Ingstrom, thank you so much for taking time away from school and work and friends and shoveling snow and clearing down power lines and whatever else you guys do up there in Wisconsin in the winter. Thank you so much for coming on the Edge of Excellence. Thank you for having me, Matt. Excited to be here. Well, you know, I've been wanting to have you on this show. And Leah, this is a little bit of a different episode. We had old guy Joe John I recorded today. We had old guy Andrew I recorded today. We have old lady Nicole, but today we're going for some youth. Leah still hasn't even graduated from college, and we've got her on the edge of excellence, talking about what she's doing to get ahead, what skills she's had, and what you might do to find those skills, especially if you don't live in the Midwest, and what opportunities may be out there and how to find them. We're going to start off the way we always start off, Leah, what is your definition of excellence? Yeah, well, man, I thought a lot about this since you asked me to, you know, be on the podcast. And it's kind of a little bit of a difficult question, but how I would define excellence is, you know, you can be, you know, average or good at a certain task, but being excellent at it is kind of just that next step. So being excellent at a certain thing is to, you know, excel at it. It's right in the word. So I would say that that's kind of my definition of excellence is to, push past what the average or the good people usually do and really kind of show your own skills and, you know, be able to show that you can do um, what you say you can and you can do it at a high level. So integrity, do what you say, how you say, when you say it's going to be done, but at a high level. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, so we're going to dive into it. And what I really want to talk to you about today, we're going to spend the most of the most of our time on is how you identify opportunities, what it takes to be, you know, in your what I'm not allowed to ask you this because you still work for me, but 21 years old and be crushing it at work and bringing in, you know, almost a million dollars in revenue last year, have all these employees, but still be super fun. I mean, you are probably the definition of super fun. Uh, still do well in school, kind of how you identify opportunities and how you spin all the plates. And you're going to make a hundred grand. Uh, are you a senior? Junior. Junior. Oh, you're the same age as my son. You're going to make a hundred grand your junior year of college. You made 60 grand last year, sophomore year of college, something like that. Around 40 grand. 40 grand. How much you make your freshman year of college? Around 38K. Okay, so 40, 40, 100 while you're still in school. You've got lots of great friends. You do well in school. We're going to spend some time on how you get there, what you do. But I want to go way back. I want to go not all the way back to the Upper Peninsula. Those of you not from Michigan, the Upper Peninsula is the thumb, which is where Leah was born. But you grew up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You go to college in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You started off your career as a restaurant host, and I was a restaurant busboy. You worked in retail for a couple of years, folding sweaters, and I worked as a ditch digger and a table washer and a dishwasher. And then you moved into a hospital, and this was kind of interesting, patient services. And then uh, you came to College Works and you know had quite a few employees and became a district manager and moved your way up. But let's go back you know, to the, to the high school days. Why were you doing these jobs and what did those jobs do for you? Because at College Works, we measure everything. And if you've worked three years or more, you're far more successful in our internship, which is kind of a simile or metaphor for life. If you do well at College Works, you usually do well at life. If you um, do the things it takes to do well at College Works, it probably means you're doing the things it takes to do well in any business. So why take the restaurant job, the old Navy job, and the uh, patient services job at the hospital? Why were you doing that? And what'd you get from it? Yeah. Um, ever since a young age, my parents, um, especially my dad, always taught me that you have to work for what you want. So as soon as I could get a job, I got a job. Um, I was 15 years old when my friends was a hostess at um, this restaurant, Friar Tucks in Oshkosh. So I went and I got a job there. Pretty easy work, nothing too crazy, but you know, being able to have my own money, have my own paycheck and be responsible for my own things was really kind of cool. And I was there for about a little over a year. Um, and once I turned 16, I went and I got a job at Old Navy. Um, that one taught me a lot more than the uh, restaurant job just because now I had to deal with, you know, customer, customer service. Um, you know, I got pretty good at what I did. I was their lead cashier. I was their top credit card salesman, bringing in those Old Navy cards every single week. And they also put me in charge of like certain projects around the store. And for me, I love working. Um, I would much rather be busy than have nothing to do. So, you know, during high school, I would work all year round. Um, I was a varsity athlete. I played softball in the spring. So I would have softball during the weeks. So I would work when I could. So I was always constantly doing something. So I think just from a young age, it was always instilled in me to, you know, do the best that you can work for what you want in life. Um, after the old Navy job, I decided to go into the hospital as a patient service representative, really because going into college, I was a biology and I was a pre-med major. Um, so my goal was I wanted to go to med school and be a doctor. 
And so I wanted to get involved in the hospital just to kind of start seeing what it was all like getting involved with, you know, the lingo, talking with all the different, you know, departments. And I enjoyed that job. Um, it was during COVID, so I didn't really have that many human interaction. I did a lot of phone calls, doing insurance, things like that for patients. But I think what just a lot of those jobs kind of taught me is one, um, you know, just how to talk to people, being able customer service, how to sell to them, how to help them with every need. You know, the customer is always right. So going in with that mindset and just every single day I showed up to work, I gave 100% effort. I was always doing what was expected of me and even a little bit more. So those jobs throughout high school, I think just really kind of set the tone for then going into college and even post-college is to always work hard, give every single job, you know, 100% effort because you never know who you're going to meet or where it's going to take you. So, uh, you know, I I made my kids work at least three years because of the cards at College Works. Uh, I made them work at least 30 hours a week because of the cards at college works. And I remember when my son went to his first job, which was I think 10 hours a week and he got fired. Actually, his boss was so gutless. He didn't get fired. He just stopped getting scheduled. Uh, And my son knew it. He knew that the boss was gutless. And, you know, I, I saw Jake just completely change in how he communicated from that counter job at a restaurant. So you said you, you learned to talk to people. you, started to develop the customer service aptitude. You did it because you wanted your own money and you wanted responsibilities, but all of a sudden you're figuring out how to talk to people. You're figuring out this customer service aptitude. And then this wonderful thing happens. You're getting promotions and you're getting more responsibility. You're getting rewarded for hard work. So from these basic entry levels, you know, summer type high school kid jobs, did, were you conscious that your outlook was changing or did you only figure that out that kind of now years later, could you see your priorities and your goals and your path changing while you did these, you know, normal college or high school kid jobs? Yeah, I definitely could. Um, especially at the old Navy position. Um, once I got really, really good in like all the different things that you could do in the store, you know, the cash register being on the floor, things like that. Um, it just wasn't kind of enough for me. I got really good at credit card sales too. So I was hitting like all my goals and, you know, there was just, I knew there was more out there and that I was capable of a lot more. So I kind of started to get a little bit bored with what I was doing and, you know, new challenges presented themselves every single day. You know, you had client, um, or customer issues, whatever it be. And then it really kind of hit me once I got into the hospital job because it was more of a desk job. So I would sit at the desk all day. I would answer the phone. I would do paperwork online. And that's kind of when I really realized that I needed more. Um, I needed to actually be out working. I needed to have more responsibilities. Um, and I think that's kind of really where I saw the switch kind of flip um, was at that job that I didn't want to be stuck behind the desk. I wanted to be working with people, working with teams and having a bit more responsibility and a little bit more of a leadership role. You know, all through high school, anytime we had group projects or anything, being on the softball team, I always felt myself kind of step into that leadership role. Um, as it is taking the extra responsibilities. So I just wanted to be more challenged and, you know, be doing more with my time. So that way I felt like what I was doing was, you know, really important and not only helping me, but helping the people around me as well. Why, why, why do you want to be challenged? Why not just do that one thing you're really good at and keep doing that one thing you're really good at? Why did you want to keep challenging yourself? Because it's boring. Um, You know, you do the same thing every single day. And when you don't challenge yourself, you're not growing at all as a person or, you know, as a professional. So, you know, coming into the College Works internship, too, that's one of the really things that kind of drew me in is I really wanted a challenge. I wanted to be able to not only prove to myself, but all the people around me that, 
you know, I am capable of doing, you know, pretty amazing things. So um, I was really just looking for that challenge to, you know, prove to myself that I was capable of, you know, more difficult tasks and taking on more responsibility. Okay. So you now it's getting a little confusing for me here. Cause I'm thinking like the listener, okay, I'm a bit young. I got to figure this stuff out. Okay. I got some lessons here so far from Leah one, try things. I better try things out. She tried a bunch of different things Two, And every single guest on my show says this work hard. There's nothing that replaces work hard. In fact, the last guest, Joe John Duran, was recorded right before you. And he's the um, CEO of Goldman Sachs Wealth Management. He talked about throughout his life, it, everything is work. Even if you're not working, it's work to not work. So you're going to have to work hard either way. Might as well get started on working on something that will strategically help you in your future. So you're trying things, you're working hard. Um, and then this magic starts happening to you where you're seeing success. Now, you can't see success if you don't try things. You can't see success if you don't work hard. But for you, all of a sudden, you're seeing success in the customer relations, sales. We'll call it customer leadership category. You're leading people to different behaviors. You're leading people to different decisions. You're leading people to different spends. And this beautiful thing happens where your gut starts to tell you, hey, this feels right. So how many things did you have to try before you got the feeling that, oh, this interacting with people, this focus on the communication, the focus on the sales, the focus on the leadership, where that felt right, as opposed to maybe somebody else, it really feels right when they're analyzing the numbers and crunching the numbers, or it really feels right when they're in the systems, using the systems, developing the systems. How many things did you have to try? How did you know that this people thing was the thing and that you would be able to do that at CollegeWorks, which is you know a lot of people stuff in the sales and the management side? Yeah, great question. I would say that, yeah, it's Try quite a few different things. Um, yeah, I had what was it, three or four different jobs until I got into the internship, and you know, just trying the different things out, seeing what I liked, seeing what I didn't like. And I think when I really finally realized, like, yes, like I want to work with people, I want to, you know, be in this business world, was um, during the internship with College Works, and kind of after my intern year, I think the moment that I truly did realize it is. Um, it was sophomore year. It was towards the end of the first semester. And I just remember I kind of started to panic because I was taking all these science classes. I was in organic chemistry. I was still my biology major. And I just didn't really enjoy what I was learning um, and like what I was doing. And I remember having a pretty difficult conversation with um, my dad one night. Um, and we sat there, you know, and we were just talking about like what I wanted to do career wise, because I had no idea. And one thing that he always likes to say, well, you're an extra, you can do anything. Um, you know, you're going to be proficient in anything you want to do. Wow. So it was really like finding. <laughs> you said he always says that all your life. He said that. Yep. Wow. Brainwashing works. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, you can be proficient in anything you want to do. It's now it's the point of figuring out what it is that you are passionate about and what do you actually want to do with your life. And I kind of sat there and I was like, how am I supposed to know this at 19 years old, what I want to do for the rest of my life? You and can't. he um, has changed. You can't No. And that's what he told me. He started out as a physical therapist, worked his way into management, went back, got his MBA. And now he's COO of a hospital here in St. Louis. So um, just knowing, and he kind of told me that you don't need to know what you want to do. You just need what you like and just go down that path. You'll end up switching anyway, most likely. So that's kind of where I started to realize that 
I wasn't passionate about the biology field, the science field, but when I was going through the internship and then, you know, a few weeks before this conversation, I had just gotten back from the first district manager training and I loved those trainings. I was engaged. I loved what I was learning. And that's when I kind of realized that, yes, I do want to work with people. I want to be in the business world. I want to be in management. And that kind of made it clear for me. So since then, I have switched my major. Um, so now I am going to be going into business management. A little late to the game, but hopefully can still get out in you know the four years in college. Oh, I was going to say late to the game. You've been doing business management for three years. You're not late to the game. Yeah. <laughs> Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay, so... I mean, you, you got lucky, right? You got that, that dad and that mom that instill you with, you can do anything. And the guy was on last, uh, his dad beat him with a ax handle <laughs> and literally beat him with an ax handle. Wow. And, uh, he was starving on the streets in Africa, um, uh, during a revolution. So he had the opposite. So he was motivated by what he didn't want to experience again. You had what I had great parents telling you, you can do anything. You can do anything but you're trying different things. And, you know, there were a little bit wrong. You can't do anything. So maybe you're not wired right. And discs in the first 10 episodes, you can go check out disc to see how you're wired, but you might not be wired right to do computer coding. And maybe you can't do anything really well, probably because you're an Ingstrom, but you're trying these different things out. Your gut's kind of steering you in this direction. And I think you and I did a disc test and you, you're zero C, aren't you? I think so. Or really low. Yeah. So hard to go through medical school when you don't pay attention to rules and you just like to do it your way. Um, but you found the area where by trial and error, where you can do it your way. And then you were really good at it. So have you, have you been really good at academically? Do you always get straight A's? Yeah. Um, all through high school, I was, you know, straight A's. I think I graduated with 3.9 um, on a roll every single semester. So yeah, i would consistently get good grades throughout even middle school, high school, college. And then you're working at these different jobs and um, they're giving you promotions and giving you more responsibility. Um, so you were probably pretty good at that too. Yep. And then you come here and you start doing the sales. God, for some reason, I thought you weren't good at some point in time. Oh, that was your second year. I wasn't. You weren't good at the beginning either? Nope. I, um, I remember I went into the summer with um, 60K sold, which wasn't bad, but no, I wasn't too, I didn't have a great booking rate and I wasn't really good at sales in the beginning of the internship. Once summer hit is kind of when I found my groove and I booked a lot of my sales. 
Okay, so you got this upbringing, brainwashing, constantly being told you could do anything. And I say the same thing to my kids, <laughs> uh, which is if you're listening right now, you're going to be a parent one day. Why not tell your kids they could do anything? And then maybe they'll do things that are impossible like Leah's done. So they're telling you that you can do everything. You're trying these different things out. And then all of a sudden, just like me, you and I kind of grew up kind of the same way. Straight A's, do well in the sports, probably have a lot of friends. And then you get into this thing that obviously I'm going to kick everybody's butt at. Obviously, I've always been really good and you're not doing well at it. And we've already talked about your your pattern too. try things, work hard, trust your gut. All of a sudden, your gut's telling you, hey, Leah, you suck at this. How'd you get through that? How'd you find out you really were good at sales when you weren't at first? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I talk about this a lot, you know, just, you know, with alumni calls and people that ask me about, you know, the internship. And I really think it's just um, like we've talked about before, just keep working at it. You know, I wasn't that great at sales in the beginning. And I really think it was getting over that initial learning curve. You know, everything that I did in the internship was new to me. I'd never done anything like it before. And so, yeah, I did go into it with the expectation like, oh, yeah, I'll be good at this. I'm good at most things that I do. And it was kind of uh, a little bit surprising when it didn't come as easily to me as, you know, some other things have. And really what I did is I just kept working at it. Every single weekend, I would um, pack my weekends with as many estimates as I possibly could. The more estimates I did, even if they weren't great, I knew that every single estimate was teaching me something different. And, you know, after about, I don't know, maybe I ended up doing over 100 estimates my intern year. And I just think that I kept working at it, kept putting myself in maybe, you know, new difficult situations with clients. And I learned something from each one. And once I started to get good and I started to realize, you know, what it is I needed to do, then I started to have a lot of fun with it. So my confidence went up once I started booking more jobs. And I think that's what really helped kick my sales into gear was having confidence in confidence in myself. So that way my clients could trust me and know that I was the right person for the job. So I just kept working at it and kept learning. And um, eventually it started to all fall into place. So the dilemma I'm having is when do you know to just cut it off and give up? Because there are times to do that. There's times when it's like you're just chasing good money after bad. And when do you need to just stay like Elvis Presley had to go to 56 record companies? You know, thank God he stayed one more. When do you know? And my brother's rule of thumb and my brother's been pretty successful. His is you have to commit at least a year. Someone else I had on here said at least two years. There's this dilemma. You could do anything, Leah. You could do anything, Leah. Uh, and, and, and I've heard so much about your parents. I've heard you talk so fondly about your parents. I've heard you talk about some of the experiences that you've had with your mom one-on-one, your dad one-on-one. I heard about your birthday. I hear your friends talk about your parents. So I know you've got world-class parents. And I know, and I am a parent, there's no book on how to do it, but I know that they've tried very hard to instill you with this, you can do anything attitude. And I know your mom and your dad were sitting there thinking, oh my God, I hope I didn't steer wrong. I hope this is okay. (laughs) And I've been where you're at. I sucked. So you're, you're working hard. You're trying new things, just back to your system, try new things, work hard, see what you're successful at, trust your gut. Was your gut telling you that it will happen? You'll get through this? Because my gut told me this isn't going to work. You should give up. Yeah. I mean, it definitely crossed my mind once or twice once I was struggling. Like, okay, when do I call it quits? Do I just, you know, quit here? But I've never, you know, had the attitude where something gets hard and you quit. So it's really difficult for me. Even just like switching my major was difficult because to me, it felt like 
I was quitting this certain part of myself or the certain career path when really it was just, you know, making a switch and changing. So I think what it comes down to is when to know to give up. That's a good example. One, yeah. one you <laughs> did you. change and the other one you didn't. So you stuck with the with the sales and kept going and hiring and probably blew up a couple jobs, but you didn't with the major. So what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you? <laughs> yeah. And I really just think it comes down to, it takes a lot of self-reflection um, and just kind of thinking about, you know, what are your end goals? So in sales, I knew that I wanted to be successful running this business. It was my goal to run a hundred K business. And to me, giving up wasn't an option. I knew that they had trained many, many students before me to be successful and to, you know, be one of the top interns. So I knew it was possible and I knew that I just had to keep working at it. And I think in my gut, I did feel that, you know, it is something that I would be able to accomplish. So that's kind of why I didn't give up. I knew that if I just kept pushing, eventually something would work out. And at the end of the day, for me doing the internship my first year, it definitely wasn't about the money. It really was never a concern of mine as I went through it. It was more about the experience and what I was learning from it. So I think to know when to, you know, give up and move on, it's going to come down to each person individually. Some people might know right away, some people not. But I think it's when you stop enjoying what you're doing and you don't have any passion or drive to do it. You know, my estimates weren't going well, but that never stopped me from wanting to do more. Holy shit. I got to throw a yellow flag on that one. Oh, my God. There are so many things that you're going to absolutely hate and joy, hate doing that you can't give up on. One being marriage, because I guarantee there's a point in your life where you <laughs> hate being married if you get married. Two's having kids. I guarantee there's a point in time where you're like, I can't take it anymore. So it's not just when you, I mean, I hated marketing and thank God I did. It changed yeah. my life. There were people I work with that I hated with a passion. Some of them were the most rewarding people to work with. So I got to throw a flag because remember, some of the people listening to this don't have the experience you have. And, you know, as soon as they stub their toe, they quit soccer and, as soon as someone tells them no, they give up on sales. So there's got to be some level. You've got an intuition that you probably developed over time of when to give up. Would you say that you err on the side of never giving up? Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, rarely ever would I ever just you know quit because something was hard or difficult. And that's not like necessarily the point that I'm trying to get across. I would say there's a lot of different things that go into knowing when to give up one being, you know, if you don't enjoy it, but to your point, you're never going to always enjoy working. Um, I personally didn't like marketing either. I didn't like doing it, but I knew that I had to do it to get to where I wanted to go. So I would say not necessarily when you stop enjoying it, but when you stop learning from it and seeing the takeaway. So, you know, if I was marketing and I wasn't getting any leads, not doing anything, wasn't doing any sales, you know, for me, it'd be really hard to give up. But if I didn't see why it was beneficial and how it was helping me, it would have probably pushed me a little bit more to give up easier. Whereas I knew that everything that I was doing was for a reason. It was all leading up to this big thing of running my own business. So I also think it's kind of taking a step back and realizing what are you doing right now? What is its role in the bigger picture? And seeing, is this worth it? Am I learning from this? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Is it going to get me to where I want to go? I was just, as you were talking, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, wait a second. I don't think Leah's ever given up at anything. And then I started thinking, and I don't think I really ever give up either. And then I started thinking I was going to ask you, 
Can you remember anybody that you've ever seen at College Works, which is again is kind of a metaphor for the world, that worked hard and didn't succeed? I can't think of anybody. I mean, there's probably been a it's the ones that didn't work hard that didn't succeed or didn't try or didn't do what they said. Yeah. So maybe, and I never thought of this before, maybe if long term it's going to help you, you never really give up. Maybe if you're growing and learning, you never give up. Maybe if you're impacting others, you never give up. And I start thinking the same thing you're thinking. I wanted to be a doctor, went and saw surgery, passed out. I can't handle blood, get me a doctor. <laughs> so then I moved to lawyer, gave that up real quick because I don't think I was going to be long-term helping society. I don't think I was going to be growing. I don't think I was going to be impacting others. I was just going to be another dirty, dirty, filthy lawyer mooching off society and ruining business. And I love to talk like this because I know there's lawyers. Out there. And I hate <laughs> to say this, if you're listening and you want to be a lawyer and you're like, oh, I hate Matt. No, Matt is funny. That's what Matt is. You can hate me all you want. Just because I hate lawyers doesn't mean you shouldn't hate lawyers, even though you should. Um, but you think that maybe you just have this attitude, whether it's back to the sports and playing softball that you're just never going to give up back to the grades that you're just never going to give up back to um, selling sweaters and, and gift cards that you're just never going to give up. And that's part of the reason you've done so well. Yeah, definitely. I, it's always been back to like my parents. It's always been like, you can't give up. Like, even if it was like halfway through the season, I hated softball. I didn't like it. Like my parents would never let me quit right in the middle of anything. You're committed to it. You have to finish and follow it through. So I think, yeah, I've always just had the mindset that anything is possible as long as you try hard enough. Maybe you're not going to exceed and do extremely well at it, but as long as you put in 100% effort and you try your hardest, you're going to get something beneficial out of the experience. Yeah. And again, just a shout out to your parents and, and a lesson to those of you that are going to be parents and this brainwashing, you're an Ingstrom, you can do anything. You know, that helps you and and Joe, I keep going back to Joe John because he didn't have that. He talked about, look, you get what you get. You get what you get. But you've got this kind of ingrained belief that you're an Ingstrom. You can do anything. And then I did the same thing with my kids, too. You want to quit diving? Wait till after the national championships. And I never thought my son would do it. But he walked down, shook the hand, quit diving. But he had to finish that season. My brother says you have to finish the year. <laughs> so you got this never give up attitude. You go out there and you're a manager. All of a sudden you're hiring people, firing people, dealing with customers. The buck stopped with you, making money, losing money. You decide to come back as a district manager. And I get a little confused in my old age. Am I right in thinking that you went back to sucking at sales again? Yep. Was yeah. that you? Yes, that was me. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that you and I were doing plenty of calls last year because your booking rate was like 18% and it had come from like 35% the year before? Yep, that would be me. Which is a that's a good good thing for the listeners. All of a sudden, you're like hitting home run after home run after home run, and you're hitting grounders. How did you get through the period of doing well and then not doing well? Yeah, it was definitely tough, especially because when I wasn't doing well, it was in front of my interns who I was supposed to be booking a lot of jobs, be the best at sales with. So it was definitely a little shot in my confidence um, there at the beginning, but. You know, I knew that what I was teaching them and showing them was still really beneficial. And at the end of the day, I just think a lot of the estimates that I was doing that caused my booking rate to be a lot lower, they just weren't good estimates to begin with. And there's definitely looking back things that I definitely probably could have done differently in every single estimate, something that I could have done better. But, 
you know, I wasn't booking the jobs. I didn't have a good booking rate, but I still had to teach my interns, inspire them and motivate them to keep going even when, you know, you weren't seeing the results. So how I got over that is even if I didn't do a good estimate, then after the estimate, I would sit there and I would debrief with the intern. Okay, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? What, you know, could we have done better to better have prepared for this estimate or set it up differently? So taking my failures and showing them how it could have been differently and how we could have had a different income or outcome. So I think it's just kind of reflecting and not letting it shake your confidence too, too much, but go back to the basics, teach them what they need to know, and ideally give them all the tools that they need to hopefully then them be successful themselves. So you used your fluke or rut in the road or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. to learn from a mistake as opposed to learning from success. And if I look at most of my lessons in life, there from things going wrong, not right. For some reason, I just am wired that way. I don't notice the good. I notice the bad. So you quickly, you know, lemon to lemonade, you turn things not working out into probably a stronger lesson for your team. And your team was booking at 38%. And we're talking about what percentage of the mm-hmm. bids you do that you actually get while you're at 18% because you're using what didn't work to teach them to make things work. That's cool. So now going through this all again, and you're going to do this big numbers. You got all these new people that you're going to be inspiring. And I I spent the day today recording podcasts with people from years and years and years ago, um, listening to the stories of where they go after this. And you're going to be part of that, but you don't know what you're going to be doing out of college. So how are you sorting that out? What's your process to sort out where your life goes in a year and a half? Yeah. um, I'm really, just kind of taking it all in at this point. You know, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Guess what? You get to relax when you've been kicking ass all through college. You don't have to sweat it as opposed to someone that hasn't done any internships yet and hasn't, you know, crushed it the way you have. So you're patiently studying the horizon. Keep going. Yep. So yeah, like I was similar to you. The first thing I wanted to be is I wanted to be a lawyer. Then that kind of switched and then it was healthcare. And that was my goal. Like I had my entire 12 year plan laid out exactly what I was going to do. And once that kind of switched for me, it really kind of made me then realize that you can have a great plan for anything you do in your life and anything you do in work, but it's never going to go exactly as planned. So you just kind of got to roll with the punches. So now after switching my major, I am being a lot more conscious as to what I'm learning. So as I'm going through the internship, trying to realize what it is, one, that I'm really good at, and two, that I really enjoy doing as now that I'm taking more business classes, now that I'm actually a business major, paying attention in those classes and really seeing, you know, what is, you know, a little bit challenging to me, but that I also really enjoy doing and am passionate about. And that's kind of really where I'm sitting now. And after, um, like you talked about, many conversations with my dad is, I fully expect to change careers in the future once or twice. And I know that it's going to happen because there's no way you can know exactly what you truly want to do with your life at this age. So I'm kind of just trying to pay attention to what I enjoy doing and what I'm passionate about. Hopefully at the end of this year, it'll kind of steer me in the direction as to after college, okay, do I want to go into a sales position? Do I want to get in with the company and start working in management to really see what I actually enjoy doing and am passionate about. So interesting. So you're now paying attention because, you know, we're coming up, we're running out of time. And by the way, <laughs> there's never been a DM that didn't get a job right out of school and never a DM 
uh, that didn't, uh, we were going to do a thing where if you didn't make at least a certain amount of money, we'd write you a check for 25 grand and whatever that certain amount of money was, we couldn't think of anybody that hadn't made it. So made no sense to make the <laughs> challenge, but you're to the point where you've done enough to start thinking about what have you learned and what do you want to learn? If you're listening right now and you, you know, you're a junior in college, you know, what do you know now? What do you want to know? You need to set your path. Where do you want to be in a year? What might you want to do in a year? You don't have to know the exact path. You just need to know the direction. And if you start setting goals, Leah knows she wants to have a cool job. Doesn't know what, doesn't know what industry, but by September of 2024, she better have an awesome career job. So we know that goal. And then she's thinking, okay, what have I learned? What do I need to learn? What am I good at and what do I enjoy? And that's called your unique ability. If you're good at it and you enjoy it, it's a unique ability. What are my unique abilities? And then I love the last one, paying attention to what you're already doing. You're in class. Why wouldn't you pay attention? But you're kind of carrying yourself more purposely and out of the fog is coming. You know, before it was, I'm going to have a job. And then it's like, maybe the job's going to be a medical and law. Now it's like, I'm going to have a business job. And you even mentioned sales. It's becoming clearer and clearer as you focus on what do I'm good at? What do I enjoy? What have I learned? What do I need to learn? But all with this, what is a vague goal now, but becomes a more specific goal. And the last show, the guy was talking about constantly setting three years goals. And he and I do it together. And I think I've showed you my me tool and we did the DOS together. Well, he does the same thing with this color coded chart. All these successful people, including your dad, probably are thinking about where do I want to be in three to five years? What needs to change to get there? What do I need to try? What do I need to see if it's good or bad? So you're in the process of doing that. And, and I am going to say on the air, we will have plenty of jobs for you to consider at National Services Group. I can guarantee you full-time career position at National Services Group, no interview, any of our branded companies. <laughs> Why? Because Leah already kicks ass. We would never want Leah to go anywhere. And you know who else is going to want to hire Leah and give her all sorts of jobs? Many other companies, because they can see that she's already kicked ass and has tried things is what you said, tried things, figure out what you're good at, what you like, trusting your gut and you're wandering down the path. So what's your last piece of advice for someone in your or last experience? We won't call it advice. Last experience that you think is helping you have this calm right now. You're in you're calm as a junior, you're not freaking out. Your last piece of advice for listeners out there that want to be as calm as you, your junior year. What is it? Yeah. Um, kind of to reiterate a little bit of what I've said already as well, but it's just being okay with not knowing what you want to do. Um, and it's something that it took me, you know, ever since all the way up to sophomore year in college to actually really figure this out is if you don't have an exact plan, like that's okay, you'll figure it out. But don't keep that from or don't make that let you to stop trying and to stop working hard just because you don't have a clear goal or a clear job that you're working towards. There's still plenty of things that you can be doing in the meantime to get you prepared for whatever that job is going to be and ideally help you figure out what it is. So the more you try things, the more you do things, and the more time you spend reflecting on what you're doing, that's what's really going to help you decide, okay, here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what I like to do. This is what I want to make a career out of. Okay. Last question for you. Usually people I'm talking to are a little bit older. So I say, Hey, think back to when you're in your twenties, 
what was a sacrifice that you made that was really hard for you to make? But if you would go back in time and tell your younger self, you would do it all over again. For me, I was supposed to go to Spain. Instead, I did the college works thing. And I'm so glad I would tell myself, screw Spain. And I went to Spain 15 times after that. What is yours? What did you do that you look back and thank God I did that? Felt painful at the time. Yeah, I think um, just prioritizing sometimes work over fun. Okay, so obviously it's really good to have, you know, that work-life balance and to take breaks, spend time with your friends. But at the end of the day, especially at this age, this is your time to get ahead and to do it with not as much risk as when you're out in the real world. You know, me being a part of College Works, that's what that was for me. It was taking a risk, but I still had the company there to support me and to help me and to help me grow and to be there if I needed them. So, you know, just sacrificing the little days, you know, yeah, your friends might be going out that night or that weekend or going on a spring break trip or a weekend trip and you have to work and it might suck in the moment, but I guarantee you, you know, for me, it happened all the time in the spring. I wasn't able to go out with my friends, have all of those, you know, freshman memories with them. But then at the end of the year, I got to tell them, well, at 18 years old, I ran a 150K business. What did you do? Partied with your friends, had good experiences. Well, I had that too. I just had it at a different time. So knowing that, you know, the fun will come, you will have time to take a break and to have fun, but to really focus on working on what you need to work on to really put yourself ahead of others and give yourself that leg up in the business world. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking time away from your job, which is nearly a full-time job, your school, which is a full-time job, your family, who you're super close to and you talk to all the time, which isn't a job, but take some time. Um, your life to come on and share your insights with other people that are in the same boat that want to get ahead and want to kick butt. And by the way, I always love working with you. You're always inspiring. You always charge me up. I'm so glad we did this on a Friday so I can stay charged up all weekend. Thank you for coming on the edge of excellence. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the edge of excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.